You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my main compadre, Jason. What's going on, everybody? Hey, we have a great show for you today. Uh, we're really excited about this. I know Jason in particular is excited about this as he has recently gone down a path of grim dark painting. And we have probably the one of the most well-known, uh, well-known and renowned uh, grim dark painters with us today, uh, Kendon Oates. Oh, thank you, Kylie, man. What's up, guys? Yeah, Kendo- welcome. Good to have you. Yeah, we are so happy to have you here. We've got a billion questions for you. <laughs> um, I know I have a billion questions for you. And um, we are excited to hear more about you and, and kind of how Grimdark has sort of evolved over time. So yeah, um, ready. But before I'm we ready. get in there, let's talk about Geek Week. Uh, Jason, you want to kick us off? Oh, sure, man. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I went and, and saw Tenet this week. Uh, good movie. Really enjoyed it. If you're, if you're, um, and it's not spoiling anything because it pops up like right at the beginning. If you're into like what happens when you mess with time, like forward and backward type stuff, um, I tell you, it's it's a really fast paced movie, man. Like, oh, interesting. You know, a lot of movies you watch, you know, you'll get um, you get some really fast action, and maybe it's like five, maybe ten minutes of fast action, and then you get a breather. Like the audience gets to kind of take a breath. And uh, let the heart, you know, racing come down with this movie. When the action stops, you're like, okay, all right, I can take a breath. Then the dialogue starts. And the dialogue starts moving so fast that then your brain just starts, you know, you're like, God, what did he say? Wait, is that important? It sounds important. I need to remember that. And it's just nonstop, man. Um, And this is a Christopher Nolan movie, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So in mm-hmm. Inception, right? He did Inception. Yep. Yeah, that, and it is that kind of a, a thinking movie. And it's one of those movies like everyone that walked out of the theater, um, we walked out and there was actually a cinema score person standing there and they gave us a little a little like voting card. And everyone was like, man, we love the movie, but I'm going to have to see that again because I <laughs> can't wrap my head around it. So it's kind of like what Inception was like Yeah. when you walked out. I'll, do, I'll tell you this, so it's got Kenneth Branagh in it. Man, yeah. that man is an amazing actor. Just um, all the different roles he plays. He's like my favorite plays. Hamlet. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because of him that I got an A in English. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that, dude. I was, when, when when we were in English class, I was like, all right, your uh, your homework is to read Hamlet. And I was like, I'm not reading this. <laughs> Just watch the movie. Watching it. Yeah. And I think there was only like two lines in his rendition that were different from the actual play. Yeah. And of course, so, that's the one you got tested on. Yep. So <laughs> she knew what she was doing. <laughs> but anyway, so that was good. Uh, great movie. Highly recommend it. Um, it's a it's a brain cruncher. You're gonna have to think for a little bit when you watch it. Uh, Tales from the Loop. I start. I think we mentioned that last time. Yeah. Uh, I started. So I I started watching that um, as well. And uh, you know, it's another one of those. It's right up my alley. The kind of the weird weird fiction. You know. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, man, it's a little slow and I don't mind slow stuff. Um, but I tell you, I've watched maybe four episodes now and it's so slow and the buildup is not as kind of, it's not as twisty as I would think it would be. So that like after a 55 minute episode, a slow 55 minute episode, when it gets to the end, I was like, 
Oh, yeah, I saw that coming on, like, you know, minute mark five of this episode. <laughs> so it was the Austin Powers steamroller. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those, like, I don't know if the payoff is worth it yet. Like, the material is great. It's one of those shows that, uh, you know, you'd probably enjoy talking about it more than actually w- watching it kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, we know. I know we talked about it last time, and, and I jumped into it. But uh, Oh, you'll like this one. I finally finished Morningstar. Oh, nice. This is the Red Rising trilogy, right? Yep. Red okay. Rising trilogy. So we that was man, what a good writer. That Yeah. He is so solid all through that trilogy. Uh and he's got three more books coming out. Another trilogy coming out that takes he, place like 10 years later or something. Um he's got I I don't know about those ones, but he's also got um the what is it the gold one that's already out. Is that still a I think it's a precursor. I think it's a precursor of like um the people who like landed on the moon, you know, oh. that colonized it. Uh-huh. So, um I can't remember the title, but yeah, it's like a it's like a prequel, but it's supposed to be really good too. Yeah. Anyways, another another uh, you know, it, it's weird like the first two books I finished them in pre-COVID in like, you know, like a month. And then COVID hit and my commute changed substantially. And so did mm-hmm. my audio. Like I was knocking out two, three audiobooks a month. Now it took me like five months to get through one audiobook because I only listen to it when I mow the lawn. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, so. But uh, anyways, finally pushed through. Got it. Um, yeah, good, good, good read, man. Um, oh, so you know, it's Golden Sun and it takes place after. You're right. Oh, so it is after. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you really enjoy, this is, this book touches so many different topics, you know, it touches hubris, it touches, um, entitlement, um, yeah. in a, in a sci-fi setting, uh, it touches, uh, slavery, um, uh, oppression, um, right. you know, the effects of that on generations, you know, centuries later, what the effects can have on a populace, all of those things. Um, and, and, uh. I will say this at the end of three books, I, w- I had a really good appreciation for this guy as a writer, but I also wasn't surprised by any twist he ever threw at me anymore. Right, right. Because there were so many twists all the time that finally it was like, you know, something bad would happen. You'd be like, all right, yeah, I mean, this is probably yeah. part of the plan. Right. That the right. good guy has all along. And uh, sure enough, that's how kind of the book ends. You feel like everything's just going into the crapper. And then you find out that it was all part of the plan. And when that reveal happens, I was kind of like, oh, okay. You know, just because you're so used to it. Right. By that point. But uh, anyways, that's probably it. Uh, oh, no, I started uh, basing. I started. Um, so, yeah. So I, I have uh, dove into kind of trying my hand at kind of the grimdark stuff we'll talk about a little bit later. And so I got all my sisters kind of base color on now, my battle sisters. Um so I got, you know, the, the, the cloaks and the armor kind of painted in acrylics, and I'm ready to go with throwing the oils on uh, to hit the reductive. I've, I've tested on three models. I really like the feel for it, um, and I'm excited to start kind of batch painting so I can put all these guys on the table and see what they look like as a full army. I'm getting really, well, really excited. Well, let's be honest. These gals. Gals, yeah. Because That's, well, you don't know how they identify. You're yeah. Well, they're sisters of battle. Sisters so. of battle. You're right. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm excited for it, man. I think. Um, I think this painting style that hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about. 
with our guest here. Uh, it's going to be, it's really cool. And it's just, it's what I've been looking for the whole time I've been in this hobby. And I stumbled across it, you know, just on YouTube saying, how do I make something darker? <laughs> and came across this thing. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, it makes sense when you think about, you know, the lore and everything around 40K. Uh, it just seems right. You know, now well, you look at the other What video did you come across? What'd you say? What video did you come across? Oh, it was the one where you were, um, it was part of your tutorial series, the Grimdark tutorial series. Actually, it was the one watching you paint the uh, the little, like, plastic placard. Okay, yeah. Thing right at the beginning. Like and one then, of the course, fundamental ones? Yeah, one of the fundamental ones. And I was looking at the color, and I was looking, I was like, man, that looks like a really, like, like, like a 200-year-old, like, metal wall that's had, you know, rust and grime and... I guess grime is probably the key word there. Just splattered <laughs> and, you know, all over it. I'm like, that's exactly what I want my armor to look like on these chicks. And uh, and then it, it just led into the next video and into the next video. And actually, I you know, I used to run Tau long time ago, um, like 2004 or something. And, uh, yeah, it was 2006. 2006. And um, so I looked up at Tau and I saw when you were painting a little, uh, a little Fire Warrior guy. And right, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. oh man, that looks awesome. Yeah, that was a pretty epic model. I I really like that one. The base on that is amazing. Yeah, it is. And every <laughs> time I see that Tau, I mean thumbnails, I'm kind of scrolling through your stuff. I I just think like it's so different because every Tau I see is so like crisp lines, clean lines, like you know futuristic, like Tron style. And the Tau that you painted was just so different; it really set itself apart. Yeah, the, the probably the most requested video I have currently is to show how I made that base for that model. Oh wow, <laughs> it's a ridiculously it, awesome base. Well, yeah. it's real, man. You know, yeah. you look at it and you think, you know, these sure when they're on their home world or whatever, r- running down the ramp out of their ship, their armor is going to be all pretty and everything. But the, when they're in the heat of battle, I mean, they're going to be blowing through, you know, rubble and worlds that have been destroyed. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the whole premise of the Grimdark style is just to try to capture realism and atmosphere. That's like the two main focuses. Atmosphere. There you awesome. go. That's the word. Awesome. Yeah. One last thing I bought. Um, I bought some more uh, rubber uh, uh, liquid silicon so I can make some more molds. So I'm going to make some uh, bases. Um. I'm gonna make so, some bases and then uh, make some molds out of them. So I am. Ex- I want you to kind of show me how you. Do- I know you learned this from Caleb, right? He kind of yeah. Caleb Walters, a, a big Zinch player. Yeah. So he. Um. So I. I, I want to kind of pick it up from you too because I've got an idea of like a crumbled um causeway. You know, like uh, it's like sort of like a freeway that's sort of crumbled and broken with like dirt underneath it. Yeah. And uh, I think I want to do that. So I'll, I'll have to get with you because I don't want to build all of those by hand. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I did my ogres, um, when I did my ogres, I built three bases. I made three bases unique with little rocks and, you know, sticks and stuff. And then I just, I made molds out of three of them. Yeah. And then, you know, t- once you make the mold, the mold takes a while. It takes like, you know, maybe a day and a half to actually properly set once you get it. But then once you get that and you pour the resin into it, it's like 10 minutes to make three bases. Yeah. And so in like in you know in two hours I'm just like pop 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 pop. I have all the bases for my entire army, and you can 
you know, they all look unique. And you can just twist the base a little bit underneath each figure. It looks like you got 15 unique yeah. bases under the guys. It's amazing. Yeah. Good awesome. stuff. Cool. Uh, sounds like a good week. Yeah, fun. Lot of lot got a lot done. Very good. Candon, why don't you uh why don't you tell us how was your geek week? Oh, it was pretty good, man. Just working down in the studio mostly. Uh worked on some I'm um, working on a, a Nagash model right now. Oh. Uh, so I had uh, posted something uh, about it on Instagram, the latest kind of work in progress shot of it, but it's mostly just kind of like a repose. Uh, I didn't really change the model too much. Oh, uh, sweet. It's got like a cool shield thing going on them. Yeah, so this shield is from like, a, like it was 3D printed. I got it from my mini factory. Uh-huh. And uh, to, uh, to me, it looks like one of the dudes off Dark Souls. I'm I was going to sh- say, dude, that's a Dark Souls shield. Yeah, I'm not sure the name, but I think this is like a verbatim copy of it. Yeah, know, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, it's taking me back. Yeah, so it's a really like really cool looking shield. Uh, but I uh, got that on there and then also been working on the kind of like display base. And I can't remember. I'm really bad with like the names of the models, and uh, but their Age of Sigmar, the skeleton, the like the skeleton crew they came out with a while back. Oh, the Bone like Reapers, the, or uh, uh, well, it's like the uh, the like the leader dudes got the spear and the long cloak with the shield. Oh yeah, they're from the um, Underworlds, right? Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm super bad with all the names of this stuff. There's just too much going on, but uh, yeah. So the whole idea the, for th- for sorry, that, it's the sepulchral the sepulchral guard. I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> sepulchral guard. You're probably saying it better than I. I yeah, but it's all the skeletons from the underworld ones or Shade Spire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They look so. Th- those are the coolest skeleton models GW's ever done. I think. Yeah, so they're really nice looking skeleton models. So these dudes are on the the big base here, and uh, uh, a lot of the base is three D printed as well. But I have uh, like I'll I have Nagash above that, and he's got you know his cloak has like those ghostly tendrils and stuff like that coming off of it. So I'm having those like kind of go down into the base, kind of mm. like some kind of necrotic energy that's raising these skeletons up out of the base or something like that. Yeah, because I'm looking at your picture right now, and for the listeners who are not looking at it, A, you should immediately go to the Grimdark Compendium on Instagram (laughs) and start following it. Uh, But B, um, I'm looking at it, and you have him actually standing on the base instead of like floating above like his normal model does. Right, so I shortened up the cloak. Like I cut pretty much half the cloak off, and it, it goes up to his shoulder. So yep. that way it could be more like a, a cape, really, you know, and uh, he'll be standing on like a kind of like a monolith, I guess you could call it. And then mm-hmm. all those like little tendrils will go down into the base and he's like mm-hmm. raising the dead with his necrotic power, you know. Nice. That'd be pretty cool looking. Other than that, I uh, got some basing material in that I ordered for the Necrons base that I, I need to do a tutorial on that. So got that material in. I ran out of cork. I use cork a lot to kind of. Uh, I like to like use clay and stuff like that. But I like to kind of fill fill in the voids and stuff like that, or build up mounds with cork. 
so I'm using like an inexpensive material, but uh, I had ran out and I, I didn't realize it, so I had to order some more of that. And then I ordered some of these slate rocks that are really cool. Uh, for the most part, I usually use the stuff called paver sand to do basing mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. and uh, that's like a like a, something you pick up at like Lowe's or Home Depot or something. Uh, the orange store or the blue store. Yeah, yeah, it's got like the. I really like the paper sand because it's got like real fine dust and then small little rocks and then like middle sized rocks. So it's got a lot of variety. But I found these slate rocks from Small World Slate and Stone, and I bought three different sizes of them. So using those, those are really cool. And then pretty much after that, I worked on the Dark Angels tutorial. Oh yeah. Oh cool. So, Got that out, just the first part, so just yep. the color recipe for the green. Saw that was a new video, right? Yeah, yeah, On that your, just uh, came yep. out yeah, yesterday, and uh, and then today I traveled down to Atlanta to work on uh, some props and that sort of thing. I, I have a studio in Atlanta uh, that I share with a partner, and we work on like movie props and that sort of thing. So I had to go down there and do some work. Wow. I usually only go once a month, but... Uh, had to run down there and knock some stuff out and then come back. So Atlanta's kind of a big hub for the film industry, right? Like do a lot of filming in, in Georgia and all that stuff. So Right, I'm, yeah. So Georgia offered like a tax break, you know, yeah. some kind of incentive for filmmakers to come and do their work there. So um, I moved I actually moved to Atlanta uh, a few years back and kind of got in on that right right when it started. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I jumped on that. Like, right after I started painting miniatures, that happened. And uh, I kind of capitalized on that. How well does that translate? Like, painting miniatures and doing, like, big old movie set props and stuff? Well, I I pretty much... Okay, so when I... The timing of all that was, like, when I basically got into miniature painting, I was super bad. You know, I wasn't really... I didn't have a developed style. Uh No, uh, never. And uh, blasphemy, yeah. So I don't believe it. You know, I was like learning how to paint. I was watching like a bunch of next level videos, like just getting in, learning yeah. how to use an airbrush. You know that sort of thing. Next level videos with uh, with uh, what's his name? Kenny. Yeah. Kenny Boucher. Dude, I think everybody when you first start painting miniatures, <laughs> I think everybody should watch that guy. I've watched like all. I've like must have binged it like one whole day, just like video after video of that guy. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yo, he's, what up, dog? Yeah, he's hilarious, dude. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was uh, I was in that phase of painting, and then the story of how I moved and how all that happened was pretty much the craziest story of my life, but. Uh, you would have to have me on a couple times to cover all that, but we, <laughs> but we went down there. I went down there and uh, took my family, everything, went down there, and uh, started getting into uh, doing props for TV shows and movies and that sort of thing. And that's how I developed my painting style, doing that. So I was doing really? weathering, yeah, I was doing weathering and stuff like that, and that's where I kind of, you know, even in the film industry in Atlanta with the group of people that I work with, I'm the weathering guy, you know, like that's when you need something weathered, you just call me and I'll come down there and do it. That's a, do you use like oil paints and all that? Uh, yeah, I use, that's how I found AK Interactive, you know. Yeah. Is this, so is this your full-time job? Are you a props guy? 
No, no, no. I do it. I, like I said, I go down there once a month. So I signed oh. a five. I signed a five year lease on the on the studio I had down there. And uh, I like prop painting, but I like painting Warhammer a lot more. So I chose to do uh, Warhammer as my full time job. Mm, gotcha. Awesome. That's cool, dude. Yeah, That's, it's, uh... it's a pretty cool gig, man. I've, it, you know, I haven't, I haven't really watched a lot of the films or TV shows that I've worked on, but there's been a couple. Probably my the, my most favorite prop that I got to paint and like make really cool. Uh, was uh, Escape Plan Two? There's like this robot in that movie, and like I, like I worked on that, and that movie is horrible. <laughs> you know that movie is super bad, <laughs> but that prop, <laughs> you know that prop was really fun to work on, and it, it's probably one of the coolest looking props, and it's all puppeteered too, so it's like hand puppeted. You know, really cool. Is it Escape Plan Two Hades? Yeah, yeah. So the name of the robot is Hades or Hades, I think is what they actually call it. I think. Oh wow! I saw Escape Plan. I, the first was the first one, the prison. I think the second one was like the. Well, I think they're all prisons. I, Are I'm they all sure. prisons? Yeah. yeah, I think so. But well, I'm gonna have to watch it now. Well, I'm looking at a little trailer right now of it because they have a robot in there. There he is. Look at that! Ro- <laughs> oh, look at that bottle damage. I'm digging it. <laughs> yeah that's good stuff yeah that thing was huge man the thing was huge it's really awesome wow awesome cool oh fyi uh i was looking at your instagram that is havel's great shield from dark Souls yeah. one yeah that's correct yep yep oh, yeah it's a cool looking shield though yeah good stuff yeah, I was trying to I was trying to make uh nagash look more like an undead knight but he just has kind of has a very specific look to him yeah mm-hmm. So it kind of looks more like a, like a fencer, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a like a kind of more elegant swordsman. Yeah, I think sword. that comes across because he has sort of that samurai style crown. You know, I mean, like with the with the eyebrow things that kind of come out. Right. Yeah. And you know, and his hat. So I could totally see him as more of a fencing champion, besides his yeah. magic, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good. We'll grim dark him up, man. Like make him look evil. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, was that pretty much your geek week for you? Uh, yeah, pretty much, man. I mean, I just got home from Atlanta like 15, 20 minutes ago. So. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Thanks nice. for joining us. Timing was perfect. Yeah, it was. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, my geek week was kind of boring. Um, I I've been painting some furies from um war cry, war cry yeah. it's like the chaotic beasts and um i'm trying to work a little bit more with the texturing like you know the the you know infinite strokes of painting and kind of get some texturing in the wings there a little bit so i've been pretty pleased with the progress i did it well on one and now i got to do like six more because you can't just do one right you have to got to paint them all so yeah just been working on that and then my wife and i were doing a witcher the witcher rewatch um, my wife fell asleep through every single episode last time I watched <laughs> That's it. That's why. Okay. It, yeah. And I refused to stop because I like so into the Witcher. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, I just watched it. I just watched it. So she finally got around saying like, well, you know what? Like there's really nothing on that I want to see right now. So let's just rewatch this again. So I rewatched again and I have to tell you, I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it so much more the second time around. 
um, the first time I was too busy comparing the show with the books that I had read and trying to remember everything that I had read from like, you know, 2012 when I read the books Mm -hmm. and I was just too busy, like focusing on like the differences to like really appreciate it. So then during the rewatch, like I've appreciated some stuff a lot more in it. So it's, it's awesome. I really like that show. It is, you know, it, my wife falls asleep a lot when uh, when she's watching shows, and I, I, you know, my <clears throat> part of my hobby space is in the same area where she watches TV, and so she'll watch these shows, and I'll kind of watch them over my shoulder. Um, uh, Lost Kingdom or Last Kingdom was yeah. one that I watched that way, and uh, and uh, and it'll be funny because the next day I'll be all like, "Hey, so what about this one part?" And then she's like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, you know, that show you watch. And she's like, I haven't seen that yet. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> she, really, she fell asleep and I spoiled like the next episode for her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, awesome. Which is a good one. We watched that yeah. one together. Yeah. Yeah, real good. So anyway, that's, I mean, mine wasn't super eventful. Just a lot of preschool stuff, which is why, you know, kids going back to school tomorrow. So it was a bunch of, you know, errands. Oh, man. We were setting up to... the tables tonight. Yeah. In the house. Good. Various it's, corners of the house. So tomorrow's each other be a alone. disaster. <laughs> Dude, I'm kidding. waiting. I'm waiting for the internet in my entire subdivision to go to its knees. Listen, my all brother. Of the kids. Listen, my brother told me that um, they logged in on their first day in Las Vegas, and like the whole thing crashed for like pretty much a whole day. And this was yeah, campus. We'll yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Uh, Kenan, let's get into our topic. Before we get there, we do want to talk about AK Interactive. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so for our listeners out there, and, and correct me on some of the details, I've sort of gotten this from like articles and maybe some like other like secondhand sources, but for our listeners out there, there was a bit of a dust-up with AK Interactive um, earlier this week. Maybe it was late last week. Um and uh, what ended up happening was they came out with a kind of like a Colors of Catastrophe or something like that paint set. And it was really sort of this, uh, you know, palette of colors that you would use when, you know, trying to paint like a polluted river or like a battlefield scene or, you know, some sort of kind of catastrophe, natural disaster that might have happened. And they had a book that was apparently some really nice photographs of like, you know, just that polluted rivers or, you know, uh, natural disasters that had happened and things like that. And um, as part of the marketing campaign, though, you know, as the book and the paints went to together and it was all good. But as part of the marketing campaign, they decided to show a video that um, sort of leaned heavy into the human catastrophe part of the catastrophes and they started dipped into uh, things like the Holocaust and showed, you know, images of the Holocaust as part of their marketing campaign, which I think uh, crossed a line for a lot of people. So, uh, Kendon, as we were kind of preparing for this, uh, I know that you had talked about saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gotten a lot of people that have um, asked me to make a statement about that. So I wanted to kind of maybe bring it up to you and see if you had anything to add or, you know, cause you are a, a prolific user of AK interactive. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah. So like you're saying, they, they came out with this book called condemnation, I believe it's called. Yeah. And, uh, 
And uh, in inside the book, if you've ever read like an AK book, they basically give you a bunch of examples and step by steps of how to build like little diorama pieces or how to paint certain things. Um, and in this book, they had like things like gas chambers and, you know, kind of things like that dealing with the Holocaust. And uh, so their marketing campaign was really the biggest problem, kind of just the way yeah. that they represented their product was was. Uh, you know, uh, lacking in taste to say the least. So, right. uh, you know, a lot of people called on me to kind of make a statement. You know, I, I had some, I have a pretty large Facebook group and discord and, you know, lots of followers on the grimdark compendium, uh, that wanted to, wanted me to say something about it. So, uh, I wasn't really sure what to say at first, you know, it kind of caught me off guard and it puts me in a, in a kind of a weird situation, you know, cause I push, AK Interactive products a lot. I use them a lot, and that's just simply because, uh, in my opinion, they are the best product that right. you can use for for weathering. Um, but you know, uh, I don't think anybody uh, is going to agree with uh, how AK Interactive handled that particular situation. Right. Uh, but you know, I I know Fernando. Uh, he's the president of the company. You know, he uh, the company definitely didn't. Uh, you know, the, the, it was a mistake right. for sure. You know, they don't have any kind of uh, weird ideologies or anything like that mixed up with their product. Uh, it was just simply a blunder. Uh, eventually, they came out with a, an acceptable apology. So I, I think things will blow over. They're a good company. They make great products. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it'll just kind of even out and uh, they'll continue on. Things will be good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a big difference when, you know, like there, you, like you said, there's sort of an ideology behind something. And, you know, there's there's a difference between um, a, a bad mistake, like a bad uh, mistake and a, a and a an evil mistake type of thing you know what i mean and right yeah. a bad mistake is one where it's bad we're not making any excuses for it and i think that like you said their apology when they came out clearly showed that right and it, it's not an evil mistake and and so you know just to you know we can take them at right. their word and just kind of move forward with it yeah they 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 had um they released two apologies so their first apology they tried to cover their tracks. They tried to make a point or a case. They tried to make a case for what they had posted. You know, right. try to kind of defend themselves. <laughs> that never works, by the way. Against the outrage, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just apologizing, you know. I yeah. mean, obviously, mistakes were made. Obviously, um, I think they realize that now too. But uh, you know, the second apology came out. You know, you know, and there, as from what I saw, uh, there was a you know a lot of good feedback on the second apology so yeah. you know like i was saying uh, w- they make fantastic products you know and and uh I, you know i'll always use their products just because i like to use uh the best product that i can and that's going to be ak interactive for yeah. weathering you know sam lens on a podcast or kind of a video with um uh vince ventarella last week they were talking about this and and i really appreciate what he said he said um let's give them some space to do the right thing and apologize and you know make up for what they are i thought that was such a very reasonable level-headed way of just saying look 
people make mistakes. This was obviously a really bad one. Let's just give them a little bit of space. And they, you know, they have since then come out and, like you said, done the apology. And, and you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the course correction. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to go about it, man. Everybody's really quick to kind of jump the gun right now, you know, but yeah, it's just, that's what I wanted to do. You know, just let, just, you know, you know, just see what happens. You know, I, I figured that AK would do the right thing and uh, you know, they did. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, you a little bit more. Let's get in, let's get into grim dark stuff. First. I I've got one big burning question one of many, but the first one is why and how did you come up with the name that Cascagoon? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's, he's I, like, I, I wish you wouldn't have asked me that one. Nah, man, <laughs> I probably need to change my name at some point, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. So I played D and D since I was 13 years old, you know? And, yeah. uh, I, I'd all pretty much always been the dungeon master, the, you know, the whole, all these years we've played, played with the same group this entire time. That's played awesome. One, yeah. We played once a month the entire time from the time that I was, 13 all the way up until I moved to Atlanta, which was just a few short years ago. Um, so Zach Cascagoon is a world eater, uh, kind of monster in my campaign. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I chose that name. You know, I was just like, man, that's a really cool name. I'm going to go with that. You know, it's unique. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, dude, it's not like you named yourself, like, Magnus or something like that, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, or or something else. I mean, it is unique because you Google Zat Cascagoon, and I've got, like, uh, you know, 10 hits right here, and it's all your stuff. Right, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, from a branding perspective, it works. It may be a little hard to spell your name every now and then, but... Right, know. yeah. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I like uh, there's this guy that um part that's part of the community that's behind the Grimdark Compendium, and uh, he came and started helping me out like when I like a little bit after I created the Grimdark Compendium before when I was just you know tutorials by Zach Cascagoon was yeah. kind of how I branded it, and then I was like, oh, I want to make this website and I want to call it the Grimdark Compendium, and everything on there will be dedicated to painting as much as I can get on it in the grimdark style. And uh, so he, when I started doing that, he came to me and uh, he was like, dude, I want to help you. He's like, I see what you're trying to do with this website and everything. And I really like that. You're, you're going like the website way and not just focusing on like YouTube and Patreon only. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, let me say though, my first bit of advice is that you change your name to something else. You know? <laughs> so, you're like, it's too late. I can't. Yeah. I was like, man, I was like, you're probably right, but we'll just, we'll just stick with it, man. We'll stick with it for now. You know? <laughs> So was he like a fan of yours and was just like, dude, I want to help you out? Yeah, yeah. His name's Sean Briggs, man. This guy basically runs my website and runs all my social media now. And Well, uh, shout out to Sean Briggs. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's awesome. Um, and he, it, you know, he came to me and basically he's like, let me help you do this. And I was like, man, I can't have, because he's like a professional web developer. Yeah, I was like, dude, I probably couldn't afford that, you know. Yeah, what, what I paint I Warhammer, FYI. Website. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it, man. He's like, just let me watch your videos. You know, I want to learn how to paint like this. Let me, you know, give me access to all your videos and, uh, you know, we'll just work together. But, you know, that was like a, maybe maybe like a year ago, maybe a little less. So I was going to say, I, I bought one of your tutorials. Um, oh, man, it was maybe a year and a half ago. It was the Lady Olinder. Right. Because I run a Night Hunt army um, that I have been playing with. And uh, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to paint her that way, you know. And so <laughs> I got your tutorial, and um, it was like one of those Pinterest fails when I did it. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, to be fair, A, um, I made the mistake of thinking that somehow um, Mineral Spirits was going to gently remove the Nuln oil I had put on there. <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah. laughing. You're laughing because I, I I literally just watched your fundamentals video the other day, and I'm like, <laughs> damn, that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it was, and then it started like pulling up the um, started pulling up paint too, you know, because I was getting I was getting into it. Yeah, said, you were okay. you were rubbing rubbing that thing. Yeah, it was yeah, not yeah. it was not good, dude. It was not good, and and 100 my fault. Um, not the you know tutorials fault, but it you know I was like okay, and I realized that I really needed to just kind of also thematically make paint her the same way as the rest of my army. Right. Since I was planning <laughs> to use her on the table with the rest of my army, so I was like okay, all right, I'm just gonna put this on the shelf and maybe do a, another display one eventually because. It, it was my favorite. But the whole point of that story was that um, I bought one of your tutorials before. I think – I can't remember. It was like six bucks or five bucks or something like that, you know, for her and it had uh -huh. the video and, and all that. And then I went back to your stuff a little bit later. I'm like, holy cow, there's like a whole website now, and it's like a compendium. And you started the Facebook group and all this stuff. So um, Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I just started the compendium. I, I probably like probably two years ago, and then took a while for Sean to find me. And then when Sean found me, things changed dramatically. You know, so this guy basically just knows what he's doing, and I didn't. Yeah. You know, I can I can paint miniatures, but that's pretty much it. You know, when it comes to like marketing and and uh, doing things correctly on social media, I had no clue. You know, so he so, kind of just yeah, he showed me how to do it all and. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's blown up huge. Like, so is since, he still working with you then on all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And is Every, he still just charging your videos, which I'm not saying it's not a fair trade, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, he, he helps me out a lot, man, for sure. He, like I talked to him, like we're we're good friends now. I, you know, I just call him, shoot the shit with him, you yeah. know, a lot of times, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he helps me a lot, you know, just little tips here and there about, you know, really just like it was the little things that I thought improved the video quality, you know, right. it's like zoom in on your miniature more, you know, there's too much negative space, you know, stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then he would, you know, I would try to convey to him what I wanted the website to work or how I wanted it to work and he would do his best you know there's been multiple iterations of the grimdark compendium and we're kind of trying to we're just now starting to pin it down really good so we got a formula that's that's working pretty well for the you know all the all the backer all the people that are members of the website and everyone that buys tutorials and that sort of thing did i hear right that this is your full-time gig yeah yeah this the, so basically the website is like 
uh, most it's pretty much my sole income. Like I have an obligation to go to Atlanta at least once a month. And that's mm-hmm. just because I have like, you know, I have a studio down there. I had to pay right. rent for it. So I just go down there, do some work, you know, pay my part of the rent and then back up here painting miniatures. Wow. That's cool, man. How long, so how long have you been painting minis full time? Uh, uh, probably uh, full time. Oh man, uh, probably six years, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So as a game, I was a games GameStop manager, store uh-huh. manager. Okay. And uh, I decided one day that I didn't like doing that anymore, and uh, I went and bought four Emotechs. Is that how you say that? Emotech. Emotech. Necron. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I went and bought four of him, and. Uh, Threw them up on eBay, and then that's how Zach Cassigan Miniatures came about. So wow. can I, can I ask, do you do commission stuff right now too? Is that where you get? Uh, very rarely okay. I do commission stuff. Very rarely. Was that a big staple of of it before like the compendium started coming about? Right. So Zach Cassigan Miniatures was just a commission studio. That's all we did. Gotcha. I'd released like a couple videos here and there, mm-hmm. you know, because I was thinking, I was like, oh, this would be fun. You know, let me try this. So some of the like really old videos are from that period, like when I first started. You know, I I kind of planned it out. I knew that I didn't want to work at Games uh, GameStop any any longer. Yeah. And so right before Admic came out, this is when I made my move. You know, to like I'm gonna mm-hmm. start commission painting. You know, and I I practice on Emotex. I sold them all of them and that was like hey uh my wife i can sell stuff on the internet and we don't have to worry about me working <laughs> you know se- <laughs> dude, 70 hours how much a week of a leap getting... of faith did she take there yeah oh yeah dude yeah <laughs> uh, she's a big supporter you know so she was definitely <laughs> nervous she was definitely nervous we just had our first kid you know oh, first wow. kid yeah and uh I, but i couldn't do it anymore man i was working 70 hours a week getting paid oh, for yeah. 40 Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. that's yeah, one of those jobs, man. You're like, oh, I'm working, I'm working at GameStop. It's gonna be so awesome, but at the end of the day, it's work. Work is work. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of work, man. <laughs> Sounds like double yeah. work too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I timed it up with the uh, Admech release and painted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Admech models for oh like two to three years straight. Wow. Basically. <laughs> now, when you were painting these commission stuff, was it in the grimdark style that you were doing, or was it just like you know the normal layering, basing? Yeah, washing? it was just it was as quick as we could paint them with an airbrush, basically. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and then I started like back then, like I did want to do weathering, but it was hard to find clients that wanted them weathered. Mm. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people wanted them clean. They just want that sharp you know. look. Yeah, so they wanted like a really clean look, like really good, like airbrush blends and that sort of thing, you know. So I mastered that. Uh, Kenny helped <laughs> after me all out those videos from yeah, uh, Kenny helped me out with that, and then <laughs> you Kenny. know, his yeah, dude, and, his airbrush stuff is like second to none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I learned how to use airbrush real quick, and like you guys were talking about earlier, making molds. I made a mold for the for all the bases and we just cranked yeah. out admec non-stop okay so, so i have a question yeah go ahead Jesus. so just <clears throat> when you keep saying we is this is this a we of one or do you have somebody <laughs> that works with you 
Right. Okay. So my nephew multiple used personalities. To work. I mean, it's yeah, okay. Like, you can disclose anything right. you okay. want here. Oh, okay. Well, so my yeah, my nephew. I had to hire people. I was selling so much AdMech on eBay that I couldn't do it by myself. So I I wow. had to hire people to uh, to help me paint it. You know, we were paying. Mm. I mean, we were probably doing it for way too little at the time. I was. I think I was maybe charging two seventy five for a. Uh, one of those two-legged walker dudes. I, I'm sorry, uh-huh. I don't know the names, but uh, uh, those were like 250, 275, somewhere like that, painted. But I mean, we were painting like, and, uh, and this is 250 dollars, not two dollars and fifty cents, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> just just to be clear. Just to be clear. <laughs> and uh, you know, so you know, we'd paint like the um, like the tech priest the tech priest dominoes for like uh, 75 bucks 90 bucks or something like that and uh yeah that i had to i was started out in my house you know when i first quit gamestop all i had was just a house and you know no real hobby space so i was doing it just in my you know i had like a room where i played video games and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and i started doing it there and then i trashed that place out and my wife kicked me out so i had to go get <laughs> I had to go get like a little building, like a 24 foot by 10 foot building and pulled it up onto my property and uh, uh, started painting there. And then I hired my nephew to, to help me do that. And then I actually hired like two or three other people. The guy that runs the games workshop in my local area was working for me, you know, so all kinds of stuff like that. And we were just painting, painting just a ton of AdMech for a long time. Do you still hire people to paint uh, for your videos, or is it just you right now? No, it's just me. Yeah, it's just me now. Um, I, I've tried the whole employee thing quite mm-hmm. a few times, and it's really hard to it's really hard to keep somebody on. Uh, a lot yeah. of times, you know it, and it makes it. I hate to say this, but it makes me really sour when I put all this effort into teaching somebody a very specific way to paint, and then they just like got something better to do one day and they don't come in you know or something like that oh dude that's like the the curse of being a manager right yeah yeah but but compounded by the fact that like you have imparted like your knowledge of right yeah this style yeah and i feel like that's valuable i i don't know if it you know if people that work for you see that as value or not but you know i was like I had this one guy that uh, I did a Facebook ad a while back and, uh, you know, to see if I could find somebody to help me paint miniatures. And, uh, so, I, this guy came up, he painted miniatures and, uh, you know, I brought him on, paid him, you know, like an hourly wage and he did great. He did really great for a long time. Uh, but then he wanted, you know, wanted raises and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I'll give you a raise. And so I gave him a raise and then he slowed down a little bit, oh. you know, and then worked for me for some time, you know, missed a couple of days here and there, you know, gave him another raise and he slowed down even more, mm. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, a, it's, it was a bad situation. I, the only good situation where I had hired someone is my nephew. Uh, he was like, my nephew is like a replication machine. Like I could show him something and he could replicate it perfectly a hundred times and really quickly. Which is uh, what I mean, you needed for that uh yeah. Yeah, AdMech yeah. stuff. Yeah, so he went on he went on to open his own commission studio. So he's doing his own thing now. You know? Oh, cool. You wanna give him a shout out? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, his name's uh, Brandon Oates. He runs uh, Vertices Models, I believe. Um, I, I haven't spoken with him in a while, but I think that's the name of his studio. Cool. All right. But yeah, he, there he it does is. the yeah he does like the real uh, kind of like he does a really good standard like kind of how we were doing back in the day just like yeah. a really good tabletop standard. Mm-hmm. He he does that really well. Yep, get that army on the table. Nice. So do you play as well or just paint? No, I'm just I'm I'm just in it for the painting. The hobby. Cool. That's your yeah. passion. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, you know I've been an artist for pretty much my entire life. You know. Uh, Have you so played I, a game? I have oh, played, Warhammer? yeah. Me and my okay. brother used to play a lot, yeah. What did you run when you did play? Dark Angels. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my first 4A yeah, and 40K yeah. was Dark Angels. Yeah, yeah. I got the uh, the Dark Vengeance, I think it was called. Was mm-hmm. that it? Yeah, got that. Nice. Went from, went from Dark Angels to Tau or to uh, Tyranid, just because that was what came in the box with the Dark Angels, and then went to Tau myself and then uh realized at that point i didn't have anyone that would play with me <laughs> so i was just painting <laughs> but not really yeah, hit the yeah. table that much but uh not now these sisters are going to hit the table and they're going to kill anyways go. and i'm kind of interested in the the new open play stuff they have mm. like I, I don't know if i you know i've, I've only read very briefly about it but it kind of seems like you could almost kind of like convert your own models or make your own models and give them some sort of counts as rules or something like that you know i don't i don't know that's kind of how it like it struck me when i first read it you know you could pretty much do whatever you wanted so i don't know about 40k i mean i i maybe should dive into the core book a little bit more but i know in age of sigmar they recently came out with this um this like uh character forge thing um and i'm Lincoln on the name right now, but you could basically come up with your own model. So, like, if I was playing orcs in Age of Sigmar, and um, one thing that they don't have right now is a war chanter on a Gorgrunta pig that can, like, keep up with other Gorgruntas, you know? And that's always, like, the bane of, like, their existence is that the war chanters are always foot-slogging it as, like, the faster things just, like, shoot down there and the war chanter can't give them their buffs. Well, you can, in this new thing, come up with your own kind of model and character. So you could kitbash it and give it its, like, um, counts as rules, essentially, with it, which um, kind of makes it very cool. Um, That's, again, open play more. Like, you're not going to see those at, uh, you know, at the Nova Open or the Las Vegas Open or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, But it's definitely a cool way to play because now you can actually kit bash something that might actually have table value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, you know, my knowledge on the whole, like the, the game settings and the, all the box sets and the different ways that you can play Warhammer is very limited. Yeah. Like even the grim dark, there's like a grim dark style of the game too. Like, uh, I think like the, the guys from like, uh, Inquisitor 28 play like a certain, mm. like narrative style of oh, Warhammer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Iron Sleet, like that group of guys. They have like a uh, some, it seems to me, I haven't really read about it much or anything, but it seems like they have a whole like different set of rules and you can kind of make your own war gangs and that sort of thing. It's kind of like Necromunda, I guess, but a little bit different. But that, that seems like a cool way to play too. But I think you need like a, a, a decent group of people. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're we are uh, you know, we we absolutely are not claiming to be experts uh on the Games Workshop games. Uh we played AOS probably for about a year and a half now. Uh-huh. Ish. And that was kind of our first jump into it uh after you know, I had a long hiatus there and and Justin and I played a lot of role playing games, lots of role playing games, different systems and board games and I think, you know, Justin could tell you, but the reason we got into AOS is we just wanted some models to help us with some of our RPGs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we were like, well, sure. wait a minute, where do these models come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we found this game. But so let, let me jump back to something. So, you know, you, you spent several years learning how to paint kind of a style that a lot of people like and filled armies with. So what what is it that led you down this path that you are now, which is the grim dark approach to painting? Uh, well, I mean, it was pretty much, uh, the way that I started trying to paint is just kind of how I envisioned the universe, you know? So like envir to me, when I'm painting environment is pretty much everything, you know? Um, like when you decide the weathering palette for your model, you know, the, the way your base is going to look, all that sort of thing is going to come back down to the type of environment that. You know, you're going to have these minis in, you know, so, uh, to me, the, the grim, dark future is just, is just that it's grim and dark and, and gritty and, and ugly and nasty. And, you know, that's what I, so I, I started trying to achieve that in my painting, you know, and it, it took me quite a while, uh, you know, but, but, you know, once I kind of, I had to take a break from painting miniatures to work, uh, in Atlanta, because when we first moved there, I was working pretty hot and heavy on the uh, props and stuff. So I figured a lot of stuff out there on props. And then mm. when I when I took it back to miniatures, uh, I had pretty much figured it out, you know. And, uh, you know, after that, it was just kind of like seeing what worked. You know, all the same products were working fine. You know, uh, it was just... You know, it's only slightly different. Like you were asking how it translated painting on props and miniatures. It's it's only slightly different. So one of the main things, like on the Lady Islander you were talking about, yep. or this new Necron video, like when we do things like blood streaks and, you know, on the Necrons where I did the scratching, is uh, you had to you had to worry about the scale of those mark making it, you know, when you're making those marks, the scale needs to be correct because mm-hmm. it's too big or, or something like that. It's not going to read correctly and it's going to d- detract from the realism. So, uh, that was, that was pretty much the biggest hurdle was just, uh, getting things to look correct in scale of, of, you know, the size of Warhammer and stuff like that. But everything translated fine. Like I said, I'd figured it out, uh, on props, you know, so, there's way back, maybe like a year, two years ago on my Instagram, if you scroll down, you'll see like this white helmet that I painted for one of the studios down there. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's lots of weathering effects and stuff on that. That, after I painted that, I took that that exact color scheme and that is my things, things of the deep color scheme for mm. my Death Guard. Oh, cool. You know, Interesting. Yeah, so it, it translates perfect. It was just getting that everything down to the right scale and everything. So, uh, so but, yeah, so let me ask you real quick. I, I know that you said that you really kind of perfected your your art with um, the prop and, and weathering stuff there, and you've become the weathering guy, and you kind of bring it here. Um, 
were you ever influenced by um, John Blanche or Blanchitsu art? Right. Because I see a lot of that um, kind of pop up when we're talking about grimdark style of painting. Right. So, I, I mean, pretty much that guy's the creator of the, the grimdark aesthetic, I believe. Yeah. You know, he he came up with the, like how that looked. You know, so the idea that Warhammer had was the grim darkness of the far future, and I think um, John came up with how that would look. You know, on a miniature. You know, so um, I didn't actually find out about him until I had painted my like after I'd already painted some Death Guard, did some tutorials on him. You know, and then somebody's like, "Oh man, your stuff looks." just like this guy's check him out you know yeah and then i and then i looked at that yeah and i, I see the similar you know saw the similar similarities and everything like that right but uh you know i actually don't know uh too much about how he paints or what he uses or anything like that i don't you know i've never read anything about his uh his process or yeah. anything like that you know we're just uh, somehow soulmates or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen it come up and like, oh, well, he just play. I've seen people literally say, oh, he just paints in Blanchitsu style, right, you know. Yeah. But I've never, I've never heard you on your videos kind of talk about Blanchitsu. I kind of would have probably gone to research it, and um, I, I find it so interesting that you would take, you know, your movie prop. Um, experience and apply it to miniatures, which I think is amazing. That's a, such a cool crossover. And then, um, you know, it kind of dovetail with this, um, you know, other guy's art. And like you said, you know, maybe long lost soulmates or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's that, you know, I definitely don't feel bad about being compared to or saying my stuff looks like mm -hmm. his stuff, you know, and in the slightest, you know, he's uh, got some really awesome stuff, you know, yeah. I really, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get more and more into kit bashing and doing conversions and stuff like that. Um, so that I will probably take a look into his community, you know, what he has in his community. Like I had mentioned some names, the Ink 28 and Iron Sleet, those guys. Uh, so there's like this whole world of grimdark painters that are just really next level at uh, converting stuff uh -huh. and making, you know, there's like a certain look it has that just looks perfect for that, that style, you know, but I haven't really got into that. I really wanted to, uh, when I sat down and I was like, all right, I want to make this grimdark painting style and I want to make a big compendium like library of tutorials. Do I want to go ahead and learn how to convert to and include that in the tutorials or, or do I not want to do that? So I decided that I would just try to just teach people how to paint regular models grimdark. You know, I think that, yeah. Is a little bit more open for people, you know, because converting's like it, to me, it's intimidating, you know, to to cut up your miniatures and, and try to figure out different poses and yeah. stuff like that. When so. you when you spend all that money on it, right? And right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I just got a hundred and seventy dollar Archeon, and I'm gonna cut this sucker up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, in your uh, in your on your uh, website and also in the Facebook group, you know you've given some recently. You've posted some insights, and one of the in, you gave a lot of things about you know the 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 tenets of uh, painting in the grim to dark style, what defines it. Uh, but one of the things you focused on the most in there was mottling. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Could you maybe? I know we, you know this isn't a visual. It's just a podcast. But maybe could you describe a little bit about what's so important about that in the style? 
Okay, yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of people hear the word modeling and they think as, like, sculpting or messing with models and stuff like that. And, like, uh, but it's not that. It's, it's a different word completely. It has to do with surface variation and uh, tends to involve, like, early signs of distressing and age, that sort of thing. Like a surface, like when you look at... Uh, when you look at it like a, a piece of metal or something that's been sitting outside for just a couple of days, you'll start to notice discolorations in it mm -hmm. and all these little variations of color, you know, and as that sits outside and endures the elements and, you know, starts to um, absorb the environment around it, you know, it, you'll get all sorts of different types of modeling. And basically, um, basically it's just you, the surface changes and it's just a, a different variation of spots and blotches of different color and that sort of thing. So it just it's something we use to diversify a surface and give it a very kind of interesting look before you start weathering. You know, if you if you go through a model and you do a really good job uh, modeling it and and making it look realistic, you know, you can even just leave off the heavy weathering and that sort of thing. It doesn't really have to be. Mm -hmm weathered and rusted to be grim dark you know we're trying to go for that realism and a, and a really big part of achieving realism is understanding how a surface uh that's seen disrepair or has been outside or you've been in battle for a while how that will start to model yeah yeah I, that, that's sorry great. jason no. um i was gonna say that i think that that comes through more often than not with like something like space marines mm -hmm. right because a space marine they're wearing ceramite armor, you know, if you know the lore of it, and it doesn't right, really yeah. rust per se. I mm -hmm. think when you start getting into Nurgle stuff, that's a whole different bag, you know, when you get your, you know, um, Plague Marines and all that stuff and your Death Guard. Yeah. But um, when you're talking about, like, an Imperial, you know, uh, loyal troop, you know, you may paint some Ultramarines or something like that. It's not really necessarily rust stuff, but there's going to be grime there's going to be um chipping there's going to be some bullet holes there's going to be some scratches and yeah. um like you said that kind of early distress without necessarily having to do a strong weathering yeah that, it can even be like sun bleach you know when you like when you take so like i don't know if you've ever saw like an old like red canister an old red dumpster you know mm -hmm. uh, a pontiac firebird uh, from the 80s yeah I gotcha. yeah so yeah. <laughs> when it first starts to model out you know you get a lot of desaturation in the color yeah you know so that sun the sun will basically desaturate the color and then you know you start getting little sun spots or where it's rained and pooled up or you get some salt or a splash of mud or something like that even if the mud doesn't stick uh, you know, it can be there long enough to de to basically change the color that's underneath it. And so the, the piece of mud falls off and then you have this like discolored little circle there. Yeah. You know, even if it's not like the full circle, like you, it, the rim of it can pick up little pieces of grease and dirt and, you know, stick to the, to the, mm -hmm. the surface there. And if the piece of mud falls off, then you have this circle of discoloration, you know, just all sorts of things. You just try to achieve, you know, what really happens, you know, in the, in the real world on a, on a piece of armor. And I, you know, I know the lore about, 
you know, uh, Space Marine armor and stuff like that. You know, but I still put. I know. <laughs> I saw your I saw your tutorial with the um uh with the Space Wolf that you recently right, did. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was like, my wife goes, "Wow, he's a crusty dude." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's we, a great uh, example. I think another real strong place where mod- modeling can come into play is the actual flesh of these of these uh people uh, oh, yeah. and it's interesting because you know you think you see how sometimes you'll see these people field these armies and and these guys have like perfect perfect skin color tone and i'm like man how often are these guys really taking a shower you know i mean they're, right, they're yeah. they are hitting the field and they're probably at war for like you know well if you read the lord like years right, <laughs> you know yeah. in stuck yeah. in that armor you know they should be pale fleshed with you know nasty and I think yeah, you do and a good job. Yeah, they're probably all kind of that. radiation and yeah. changing the color of their skin and all kind of stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You can re- it's re- even though we're like, uh, you know, I was thinking about this on my way home today. You know, I'll, like one of the most important things about grimdark painting is to try to capture that realism and atmosphere. But it's all a very like artistic way of painting. It's super fun. Uh, it's kind of like very very freeing too. Like the the things that you can do. With, yes, with the, like the style is really like a lot of times people, you know, you tune into one of my videos and you see me painting with like a like a Q-tip or you know like a paper clip or something like that, and you're like, what is this guy doing? But you know, you you really can do almost anything with these uh, with these products, and you know, the reductive technique is just so uh, it's just a, such a fun way to paint. So it's it's a very it's very artistic in the you can be very creative in the way that you approach it. But, you know, like I said, overall, you're just trying to create something that's a little bit more realistic. I'm a believer. I tell you, using the using the reductive technique makes, when, when I do want to highlight something, it's so easy. I just swipe the Q-tip across and pull the, yeah, d- yeah, yeah, pull it, it takes off. A lot of work. Yeah. It takes a lot of the work. Out, out it really does. Painting. You know, the way that you're traditionally, yeah, yeah, the way that you're traditionally taught to paint, you know, it's uh, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of that hard work out of it, you know, you just can enjoy I remember the, the first, process more. Yeah, so, I remember. Th- yeah, go ahead, Jason. Just the, uh, the, going back to the Dark Angels, the first time I painted up my Dark Angels, I did extreme highlighting. And, oh, man, that was a lot of work to extreme highlight all of, uh, you know, all of the squ- the units that I had there. Oh, man, now I'm just like, just, you know, got the oil on there for weathering and then just take a little Q-tip and bleep, and there's the highlight. I'm like, man. So so much easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times we've we've uh, you know people in the community kind of frown upon a lot of edge highlighting. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the sins against grim dark style. I mean, oh, not yeah. really, but you know, you don't want to. You know, edge highlighting is probably the most unrealistic. You know, aspect. You're like every yeah. single edge, even the under edge, <laughs> is know. catching the light. You're like, how yeah. is that happening? Right, and yeah. I think I think you it has a place for like certain parts of the you know of of the the armor like if there's an area that's going to get scraped a lot you know like maybe the grime gets scraped off of that edge but like you said it's it's capturing the realism you know of uh what you see and what you think you'll see when you're on the battlefield yeah i do a lot of edge highlighting when i'm when i'm doing osl effects so that's like a you know that would be a realistic instance of something catching Uh extreme highlights on on the edge is when you have like a, a light source right next to it or something. Right. You know, so that's when edge highlighting becomes extremely important, especially if you're, you're like trying to sell like a really realistic OSL. You mm-hmm. like you have to pay attention to every single edge 
and understand how that light's going to reflect on it. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to make it look real, you know, and you want to do a really good job, you know, it's, you spend a lot of time edge highlighting that way. Yeah, you showed that in your uh, uh, one of your death card tutorials. Yeah, with the the red plasma gun or whatever it was. Oh yeah, yeah, the Black Legion. Mm-hmm. Black that? Legion. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, right. yeah. yep, yep. So um, you put out uh, fairly recently um, your Foundations of Grimdark. It's a four part series on YouTube and your website. Um, how much of that came out because of people asking you over and over again, how do I do this? Uh, yeah, pretty much all of it. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't know, um, how popular things were going to get, you know, the, yeah. well, you know, I have such a great community behind the grimdark compendium. I mean, uh, pretty much, let me just take a second to kind of just talk about the community real fast. Yeah, sure. You know, um, you know, it's, it's like, I swear, you know, I'm a little biased, I guess, but it's the greatest community within the Warhammer community. These, these guys that are on the Facebook in the discord are, are extremely helpful. There's people that have been with me since the beginning and they know all my techniques and how I would handle things. And, you know, so they're extremely helpful. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of questions that would come up repeatedly, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, talking with Sean and, you know, Sean kind of helping me out, helping me figure out what I should do next. You know, we talked about let's do a fundamentals video and then we'll do an intermediate series as well for like a little bit more tricky techniques but you know we'll talk about the very basics first you know and there's still things that i would i want to add to that series as well you know there's four parts right now i you know there there's a lot of other things i could probably add into that series uh, that need need explaining yeah yeah listen i mean i think that it is such an awesome um beginning guide for anyone who is looking to get into the grimdark style or thinks that they might be interested, those four videos cover so much. And I mean, how many? I I wanted to know how many times you're going to talk about, um, you know, uh, mineral spirits not pulling off acrylic paint versus, <laughs> you know, because I'm just like, dude, I bet he gets asked this question a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the big ones. That's that's usually the first hurdle you got to get over when painting Grimdark. It's not yeah. rubbing all the paint off your miniature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, so funny because I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I know, I know that he's getting asked this a billion times otherwise. And, and in fact, you, I think he said something in the video, too, which was like, guys, I know that you've that I've seen some people out there swear to me yeah. that this Let's will not pull it off. But let me just show you. I am showing this to you right now. And, you know, I think <laughs> what's interesting is you pointed out, if you don't have a solid base coat on your paint, yeah. then it may get under there and start pulling stuff up. So, you know, right, if you're having yeah, issues, yeah. that's where that's where it might be. Versus yeah, it'll, it'll it actually it slide right off. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's, to be right honest with you, there. that is what happened with my Lady Olinder. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, it's a, that's, like I was saying, that's one of the biggest hurdles, you know, using the Q-tip is such an abrasive tool. You know, you don't think that it is, and you really got to, you know, uh, so I had this idea for video, and all I had done, uh, I was going to release this in my intermediate series, but uh, 
all I have right now is like the thumbnail for it. I think I released it just in the Facebook group, but it was the power, the power of the Q-tip uh, tutorial. Uh-huh. And I was, and I was gonna, you know, talk about the different ways that you can use it to uh, use the Q-tip and everything like that, and kind of properly how to use it. But I mean, yeah, dude, I've seen some people really butcher their model soap with a Q-tip. Yeah. And uh, you know, they they swear to me that it's the a flawed technique, but I, you know, there's probably thousands of people by now that can attest uh, differently at this point. Yeah. You know? So, so you got a, uh, you got a big community. I mean, there's like seven seven plus thousand members on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah, group. yeah. So we we started the Facebook group just recently, you know. And uh, one of my first promises was like, we'll do a painting competition when we get to a thousand people. And so we did that. And uh, you know, and a painting competition is something I want to kind of work on yearly and kind of grow that and have it become. A, a large painting competition kind of like Slayer Sword or even Golden Demon something like that so that's mm-hmm. going to be a ongoing project oh that'd be uh, awesome a grimdark painting competition yeah yeah and I was you know I know a blacksmith here uh, locally so I was going to have him like make make some kind of trophy oh you know? that'd be cool. I was yeah I was thinking like a grimdark shield would be really cool with like skulls and stuff hanging out of it that was like made by blacksmith you know but I don't know Sean says I should do a chalice it's I'm undecided on that, but um, hmm. but yeah, so uh, yeah, we I got think. to fifty, yeah, we got to like a thousand fifteen hundred, and we did the the competition, and then I did like this thirty days of giveaway thing. Oh right, and, yeah. So I gave a miniature away every day for thirty days, oh, and that gosh. that got us five thousand people more on the on the Facebook group. That's and, uh, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of. So was it models that you had already painted? No, this was brand new models in the box. Some oh, of them I had. I gave away five in uh, in Dominus boxes, and you know, gave away a bunch of other models, and, you know, new stuff, some stuff I just had chilling. You know, I was just trying to give back, man. You know, like I said, this is the only thing I do for uh, work. You know, yeah. so I get to make tutorials, and you know, I got a, a large family of five, and the website keeps it keeps it all together, keeps it going. So. You know, I just thought I'd give back and, you know, of course we get people onto the Facebook and that also grows the website as well, you know, but, um, I, you know, I'm just happy that I don't have to rely on YouTube and Patreon. I still mm-hmm. have those things, but I, you know, I post like once a month on YouTube and, and you know, we have a, a huge community on the website as well. I think there's over, uh, three 3,000 last time I checked like six months ago is like close to 3,000 uh, premium and free accounts on there so oh, that's wow. great man wow so yeah it's it's going good and like I said though it, dude it's all it's all the community you know it's basically I don't I hardly do any advertising you know it's all word of mouth like people will tell me it's like oh man I got my mate all into this now you know him and i hang out and watch your videos you know tons of people like that people you know come you know all the music uh that i have on the website you know before i was using like whatever music i liked you know and i was getting a lot of my videos got copyright claimed on youtube Mm. but you know as of like since like six or seven months ago maybe a year you know all the music is custom it's like original for the grimdark compendium that's you know i have people you know write music for me and stuff like that so 
you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's real fun, man. It's, uh, like I said, great community, great bunch of people, you know, hanging out, talking about painting, you know, and they, they, they helped me run those groups and the discord. Like I was telling you, you know, like, especially this, the discord has been around for so long, you know, like these people can pretty much answer any question you have when you go in there. So is the discord part of your Patreon stuff or part of the, um, grimdark compendium? Yeah, it's all tied together. You can okay. like you get a link when you go to Patreon or there's a link on the website for it, you know, that that sort of thing. Now, when you join Patreon, do you have access to the website as well or no? No, you just have access to like the uh, tutorials. Just, yeah, just the, it's the same content. I just uh you know, I think Patreon had changed the way that you can search for things recently, but uh, before it was like a timeline. That's all. You yeah. just had to scroll down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had, yeah. you know, so many tutorials that it was almost impossible to find what you wanted. I think you could tag stuff in it, but, um, you know, I just thought it was kind of clunky and, you know, also just kind of don't like them getting parts of people's money for hosting it, you know? So I, you know, I focus on the, the, the websites, the focus now, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's very cool. I know I joined the, I was like one of the first, uh, you know, probably first thousand people that joined um, with your, with your stuff. Cause I, you know, I've been following your, your stuff for a while and um, I, you know, you said Sean Briggs and now I remember where I saw the name. Cause he was just like, dude, this is insane. So many people are joining because <laughs> yeah. it was like, it was uh, like somebody had broken the dam. And I mean, there were so many people. He was trying to list out by name, like, thank you, all these people that had joined. But, dude, like, <laughs> I, he stopped, like, after a while because there's just so many that, that jumped in. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people uh, came to, you know, there's a, there's a ton of people in the Warhammer community, and a lot of them have never even heard of the Grimdark style. Uh-huh. They, don't, they don't know what it is. You right. Know? Games Workshop does such an excellent job at marketing their system. Yes. That, you know, mm-hmm. people yeah. people have no idea that there's other ways to paint. So, I mean, but slowly, dude, where the grimdark style is, is creeping up there, you know, so. You know, and it's, it's interesting because I, um, I mean, I kind of cut my teeth on the grimdark stuff. And I'm, I'm not a great painter by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, I mean, it was base coat, wash, layer, you know, edge. And you use those paints. And I got to a point where I'm like, oh, man, I hate the way that these paints are thinning out. Some of those Citadel ones. Some of them are amazing. Citadel has, like, a couple of them that are just, like, ridiculously good paint. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Screaming Skull's great. Ushapti Bone's amazing. You know? But some of them <laughs> are not good. And they do not thin well. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> right, yeah. And it's yeah. like, wow, this is, this is just not good. So I've, you know, recently expanded to... Like scale using scale seventy five stuff as well using some inks, and um, you know I I decided uh, at the same time that Jason was working on his sisters that um, I'm painting up a kind of a successor marine chapter, and I'm going to be doing grim dark and I think I'm going to do sort of a um, it's going to be like a blue gray you know kind of a kind of a slate gray style armor with a lot of chipping and weathering. 
yeah. in there and do kind of a you know much more grim dark style with that because every other army I've painted up I've used the classic techniques. Of, yeah, you know, the the, the dark brown. Uh, yeah, the dark brown wash from AK Interactive. Mm-hmm. It's AK Interactive enamel wash dark brown. That'll yeah. be your best. That'll be your best friend on anything gray. It looks amazing every day. I picked up some. I saw something the other day. In fact, here let me see what it is. It is the. So I saw the streaking grime for Panzer Gray. Uh huh. And that looked really interesting to me for some of the like the streaking grime, but I think I do need that dark brown stuff for just the just the wash. Yeah, they have so many different variations of streaking grime. I'm not even sure what that one looks like. What what color is it? You know, so like streaking it's like grime a, is it's like, like a, a super warm... dark gray, almost a black. Uh huh. Um, and it's made for a like if you think of a Panzer tank. Uh huh. Um, like that kind of a gray, and then like. The, the typical streaks that you would see on that from like like almost like a dark a very dark blue maybe black streaks yeah that that'd probably be fine man it looks pretty good and then but, I picked yeah. up a um I picked up a it's a naval one it's their AK interactive brown streaking grime for red holes yeah and I picked yeah, that up that because I have an orc army here that has a bunch of red armor and I just wanted to get some of that griminess in there and i thought that that red looked good because it's almost a brown you know like a ready ready red brown clay brown clay red right, almost yeah. yeah so i thought that might yeah be cool. ak interactive has a lot of products man that i i've not even got to use yet but um you know i use a lot of their weathering line uh, but they had like all their stuff is great there is another company um <clears throat> called uh i think it's Ammo by MIG, I think is what okay. it's called. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but they they used to be the same company. So oh. the guy from yeah the you know the guy from Ammo and the guy from AK were buddies and they started this company. Then they just kind of separated. So you know I'm not real sure what happened there, but um, but yeah they they have all basically all the same products. So you know if that thing went you know what went down with AK. Uh, you're pretty much just done with them at that point. You know, the, the MIG stuff is is essentially the same thing. Well, and yeah, I was going to ask things. you real quick, too. Like, the second most common question, I think, on your Facebook site is, where can I find AK Interactive Streaking Grime? Because it's impossible to find right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you can't. you can barely get the stuff. So I used to sell the products, you uh-huh. know. And when it started picking up, I just couldn't keep it in stock. You know, I I would order 20 bottles of it and maybe get five, you know, from my distributor. And they would all sell immediately. And then, you know, uh, started suggesting, like, I stopped selling products. It was just too much of a hassle. And, you know, I suggested people go straight to AK Interactive's Mm -hmm. website because, you know, their price on their price point on their material is. Uh, less than what I can get it for as a reseller from a distributor in the states. Oh wow! So it's yeah, so it's already cheaper. Like I have to mark it up to make money, you know, if I'm selling this product. So you can get it for like a dollar cheaper than what I can get it for just off their website. You know, yeah. now uh, it's coming from Spain, so to make that uh, shipping worth it, I think like. It's 14 bucks or something like that for standard shipping. So you need to buy a few things to kind of make that shipping up. Uh, but yeah, 
after after I stopped selling it and you know I started directing people to their website like soon after that though the website was just out of like constantly out of stock mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a, it's a hard yeah. product to get a hold of right now yeah. you know um I mean I've seen I, it on like eBay and it's like five dollars you're like oh sweet 14 or like 17 dollars shipping you're like wow okay yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- wow. I think that's a, a testament to how popular the style is becoming you know yeah. i don't think we'll ever be able to compete uh for like the more traditional styles like heavy metal or anything like that but you know i think the the style's picking up a lot in popularity mm-hmm. you know so uh yeah stuff's just kind of you know they're gonna have to up their production a little bit which is a, a good problem to have yeah 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 <laughs> yeah uh so the Absalom 502, what about that? You been able to get a hold of that at all? So I have not really looked at that. Now, the reason I was going to look at that is I did see a um, recent video that Vince Venturella, I'm sure you're familiar with Vince, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, who isn't? He's kind of like, you know, so prolific in his video stuff. But anyway, um, he just did a video of a... Um, a crimson fist space marine that he did in all oils mm-hmm. yep. and here's the interesting thing and i and i actually kind of want to talk to you about this is um i'm seeing more and more and more artists moving away from acrylics and doing oil painting and you've been doing oils for a long time you know with your grimdark stuff right um, yeah so oils and enamels i guess right but he's like doing classic oil stuff and and i kind of wondered if you know there was some influence from maybe what you felt from some of your grim dark using different, you know, oils and enamels versus uh, the traditional acrylic stuff. Well, if you're going to, so if you're going to be painting in a style, like kind of, um, uh, ah, these like, I, I don't know their names very well, so, but some of these Polish painters yep. that paint like really insanely like crazy looking models that just look incredible you know they're doing all this wet blending glazing and that sort of thing very laborious work with acrylics yeah you know uh so oils is just takes all it just trumps trumps anything you can do uh with an acrylic because they're they're wet mediums you could you don't have to have glaze mediums you don't have to have uh you know they just blend together very easily you know that's just i was watching his video and he painted up this space marine in probably about 40 minutes of real time. He had it speed sped up a little bit, you know, so it was like right, a 20 yeah. minute video. Um, but he did it in like 40 minutes of real time. And I'm sitting here going like, holy crap, that would have taken me with acrylics probably like 10 to 15 hours. Yeah, I mean, dude, that just goes back to show you that Citadel does a fantastic job of marketing their product. Uh, because it's way easier to do what you're doing with acrylics w- with oils. I mean, yep. it's just far easier. Yeah, because and he was just showing he and you know he even he even gave kind of a shout out as this is painting with oils is reductive, right? right. Like you yeah. you kind of put your you put your stuff on there and then when you want to highlight, you paint and you wipe off your brush. You kind of feather it out, wipe off your brush, feather it out, and you just do that till you're happy with it. Yeah. And that's there's your wet blending, there's your stuff, and then if you really wanted to go, you know, you wanted to do something else, like you wanted to make that grim dark, you throw maybe throw an enamel on there, and then start putting on some like modeling, and then some, um, you know, some some weathering stuff on there, and boom, you got yourself a, a pretty good marine, like really yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I think I think once more people find out about oils, uh, I, I think what needs to happen is there needs to be more miniature painting oil products. For right now, I think Abtalunk 502 is the only one that right. markets themselves as a miniature painting oil. So, and you um, like that because it's got more um, linseed oil in it, right? Well, it's got less linseed oil. Less linseed oil. All right. Well, I got yeah, that so, backwards. Yeah, linseed oil is basically the vehicle that holds the pigment and keeps it wet. So mm-hmm. uh, you want to have a little bit less. Traditional oils have a lot of it because you're painting on like a canvas, something that's absorbing a lot of that linseed oil out. So when you're painting miniatures, you're painting on plastic, there's no uh, absorbing really going on. So you need a little bit less of that linseed oil in there. Uh, to take that further, like further, you can even put your oils out on like a little piece of cardboard and that will draw out even more of that linseed oil and that'll help it dry faster as well. But mm. yeah, as far, as far as like wet blending and stuff like that goes, you're not going to get anything easier than oils. Um, so they do kind of tend to dry shiny but you know you can eventually you'll start to work through that and figure out the correct ratio of mineral spirits to oil to get them to dry properly and also dry just as fast as an acrylic mm. you know uh, you know a lot of people talk about oh I've waited like 48 hours to wait for this oil to dry it's still wet you know that you'll learn how to correct that over time it just you know that's part of the learning curve of painting with different mediums and stuff like that you kind of just got to get those mixed ratios just get a feel for what you're working with and eventually you'll just get the hang of it and it, you know like when i paint with oils they're dry in 15 to 20 minutes you know no big deal you know it's yeah. just because i have a lot of experience with them you know and that's just something you just got to you know you got to put those hours into it you know that's Practice a good point that's perfect that's probably, you know, and I hit that snag too with the first few models I painted with oils is one of the, one of the washes I made with a burnt umber, um, it, uh, dried, uh, with the blow dryer in like five minutes. And I was like, all right, that looks great. And then, but the black, the black ivory that I put on the model took two days to dry. And I'm like, what did I do differently with this thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah, it's well, just got to figure that ratio out. Yeah, we'll see a black pigment is much heavier, it has much more pigment in it than like a brown would. You mm-hmm. know, like, so if you take, if you put like, you know, you do a black base coloring of black oils and and you try to mix in a little bit of white with that, you know, it's going to take a lot of white to kind of mix, mix into it. It's really hard to mix through a black, you know, it just has so much more pigment into it. So it's, you know, like I said, you just gotta use, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to, to master yeah. something, you know, so if you want to really get a handle on what you're doing and, and be comfortable doing it, you gotta, you, you know, that's a, that's quite a few hours you need to put into it to yeah. really get the hang of it. So what would you what would you say if somebody was interested in this style and wanted to get started with it? Wh- how would you recommend that they do that? Realizing that you know maybe maybe the streaking the miracle of streaking grime is hard to get your hands on right now. How could how could a starter get going with this? <clears throat> well, uh, what I typically suggest is you know you pick out you know pick out the army that you want to paint, and uh, you know the first thing you need to do is uh, think about what kind of environment you want to put your miniature in. So, you know, a lot of times when people, like, start in the hobby, uh, they have an idea or, you know, they're excited and they, you know, they start dreaming up about what they want their miniatures to look like. You know, you need to consider the environment. So, 
you know, that's going to, that's going to dictate what enamels and oils you're going to need to, to get those colors. And you don't need, you know, if you want to start out simple, just do a base color and a, either an enamel wash or an oil wash and just uh, a reductive technique to remove it off. And then, mm. you know, that's, that's good enough to start with, you know, yep. you don't need to try to overcomplicate it first. Uh, just starting off, you really need to get a handle on how these different uh, thinners work. These thinner, because we're using thinners and solvents opposed right. to water. Uh, you need to learn how those are going to affect your acrylic base colors. So you need to you need to have an idea of how all that works. And the best way to do that is just try to paint as standard as you can. Uh, at first, so normally what I do painting standard is just a, a, an acrylic base color, and then maybe a zenithal highlight. If you know, you know, if you have that skill set already, mm-hmm. just do a yeah. zenithal highlight, and then uh, you know, just like a simple in, enamel or oil wash. And the color doesn't really matter. You know, you don't have to get just streaking grime. Uh, you know, like you can use dark brown wash, or you can you know, use like a brown oil it's pretty much looks the yeah. same as streaking grime, but yeah. just that simple couple steps and just get a hold of that. You know, there's one video I have on YouTube introduction to streaking grime. Okay. You can replace, uh, the word streaking grime with introduction to smoke ab- from Abflunk 502 cream brown, any enamel or oil product. And simply in that video, I have just a miniature that was sent to me base colored. So it's just been base colored. That's it. And I do just a couple passes of streaking grime, take it off, add a little bit more, you know, done. And it looks great. You know, so you don't, you don't really have to overdo it. Just get the very basics down first. And that basic is, the basics is going to be understanding the solvents, understanding the reductive technique. You know, that's pretty much it right there. Very cool, man. Well, I've started my journey into the grim dark. I'll uh, I'll get brave here at some point and post on the Facebook group and uh, see how yeah. you go from there, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm excited to see what you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just for, for those that have stuck with us, um, check out Kendon's work. Uh, you can find him by searching Zat Cascagoon. You can look it up through the Grimdark Compendium. Um, that's probably the easiest way because that Cascagoon is a little tough to spell. Um, but we will put links down in the uh, show notes for everybody. So if you want to uh, check out his work, please do. Please join the Facebook group. Uh, follow Patreon if you're interested in that. And, uh, Kendon, we're really happy to have you on the show with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, uh, sorry if I ramble. Uh, I tend to do that a lot. But, uh, <laughs> no worries, dude. Uh, we <laughs> ramble a lot. Oh, we ramble yeah, way too much. <laughs> yeah, that's why my videos are so cut and dry, man. Because if I if I don't like focus on what I'm saying, I'll just start rambling. You know. So, <laughs> but I, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, listen, I I I probably got to maybe half of the questions I had. I knew we weren't going to face them all, so we'd love to have you back another time. And uh, sure, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe get into some other stuff too. Yeah, we could talk about uh, how I went to Atlanta, man. That's I'm telling you, it's a crazy story. I like, I'm uh, very interested in it, and I'm also <laughs> interested in like um, sort of your video production and like kind of the ins and outs of that because that has not got to be an easy thing to do. Uh, what What do you mean, video production? So, like, you know, how you go about making your tutorials and you know. 
the kind of the actual production like of like editing and things like that right. so yeah yeah you know. we can talk about that man it's real simple real simple I, I try to cut out all the fat on stuff like that <laughs> but uh yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to come back on and talk about it man like uh, i'm telling you the this the whole story about the me moving to Atlanta and stuff involves crazy people that went to a sane asylum, some <laughs> threats, like all kinds of crazy stuff, dude. So, you know. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna put a put this on yep. the calendar. So. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, Kendon, and uh, everyone listening. Thank you for sticking around with us and. Um, make sure you follow his stuff. So click on the links uh, in the description. Um, Have a good night, everybody. All right, see ya. Yeah, thanks.